Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 396. And tonight, we are recapping two episodes of Lore Olympus. We are going to start with episode 262, which is available for free right now on the Webtoons app, and then we'll go straight into 263, which is only available if you're fast-passing it, which, of course, we are. I hope I said those numbers correctly. It's just been one of those days. <laughs> yes. Well, I when I was thinking about setting up for the recording, I... It occurred to me, oh, this is going to be a fast recap because not much happened. I don't know why I thought that. A hell of a lot happened in these two episodes. Yeah. But the thing I keep focusing on is this whole Apollo situation is stressing me out. I mean, yeah. I'm getting like yeah. physically anxious when I get ready to read another episode because I'm waiting for him to be horrible. And this was his chance to be dreadful. And it looks like he's got even more nefarious stuff planned. Yeah. Okay. So let's... Starting right from the beginning, last time when we left off, Hera had had a vision where she saw herself in Kronos's hand, and that's where we pick up, and she does confirm that it is her, all the, you know, there are a lot of commenters who are wondering, maybe it was Hebe, but it was not, it was Hera. And Kronos, you see this image of him holding her in his hand, and he is crying, I noticed that. But then he just tightens his hand, goes crunch, and you see Hera go, he's destroying me. And she isn't sure if it's possible that he could kill her, but she knows that other goddesses like Gaia have just, because their body's been so damaged, they just kind of return back to their purpose, like her returning to the earth. So she's pretty sure she's going to die, and then she sees her body just disintegrate into dust, but when she looks up, there's a gray goddess marching into battle against Kronos. And Hera thinks it's Persephone, which I think that's misleading. I think we've been led down a garden path about this. But Hera is convinced that somehow the death of her body gave Persephone's strength that she needs to fight Kronos. So I think she's going to let it happen. Well, I had a caveat to that. And you're right. The commenters, there were a couple commenters who are like, I don't think that's Persephone. I think that might be Hera, the gray goddess form and everything. But if it is Persephone and she was thinking, you know, my death gave her strength and everything, I just suddenly realized, I mean, do we have any confirmation that when a god uses the power of a fertility goddess, it has to be a male god using a female god? Could it be a female god using a female god? I don't know. That's a very good question. I don't think that's ever been stipulated, but everybody's been thinking this is a whole patriarchy thing. So maybe that's also leading us down the garden path. Could be, because one of the things about, you know, using a fertility goddess's power is there has to be love, and there's certainly love between Persephone and Hera. It's not like a romantic physical love, but it sure as hell is love. Yeah. Well, she wakes up out of the vision, and Hestia and Demeter are both worried because they've noticed that she's crying. And Hera, just like you see her decide to not say anything, and she says, I'm just so happy we can all be together like this. And you see Demeter and Hestia smiling, like, aw, but yeah. So Hera's once again keeping things to herself because she's going to deal with it on her own. Ugh, I've got it in my notes. Oh my God, just tell them the truth, woman. <laughs> so we switch over there, and we're in the underworld, and there's an announcement going out. It's all hands on deck. There are so many shades that are coming in. There's overtimes 
approved. They're bringing in food for people. There's all these you know images of people directing traffic and everything. I like the picture of some of the underworld people, like almost like the directing a flood of shades, and they're holding their hands forward like you would direct an airplane. And it just it looks very funny. It does, and nobody looks happy. Everyone looks very mm. overworked, but they're handling it. And you see Persephone, and she's at a desk working really hard, and she's still got her eyes are glowing red, and she sees a news update, and it's something to do with Apollo talking about how this is Persephone's fault once again, and she's kind of freaking out. And Hades tries to, like, say, "Uh, do you want to take a break? You've been working really hard. And she's like, no, I'm fine. And then she asks him, how exactly did he manage to turn Demeter's son, Demophon, from a shade into a demigod? And Hades says... Ah, it's a trade secret. And then Persephone says, you were inside me less than 12 hours ago. I think you can do better than trade secret. And I'm like, oh, wow. Wow. That's the most explicit thing this cartoon has ever said. I was like, oh, she went there. Oh, my goodness gracious. And, of course, it works on Hades. And he doesn't even look like... I don't know. He doesn't look nonplussed or embarrassed or anything. But he just tells her. It's pretty much like, yeah, I guess you're right. It really boils down to he gave Diemafum all of his supply of ambrosia because, let's see, I think it was that Zeus used ambrosia to turn a mortal into a god, like with uh, Psyche. Uh So Hades figured, why not use ambrosia to turn a shade into a demigod? And it apparently it worked. And he said, uh, it, it takes a long time to make ambrosia, and Zeus is very stingy with it. So he tells Persephone, she better not have a hankering for it in the future. I'm like, oh, plot point. Plot point. But there was, that conversation did end. Persephone gives him this big hug, because she's really glad that he did that. I'm sure it just made just made the world of a difference to Demeter. And there's this beautiful image of the two of them just standing there hugging. And I was like, oh, I hope that's not the last nice image we're going to have before something horrible happens. Well, speaking of which, we go to Psyche and Eros in prison, or held captive in Leto's basement, and Eros is like grown on the full prisoner beard, and he's making some comment about, is this my fate, and I shall, is this my new life, and I shall have to accept it? And then you see Psyche, she's sitting on the bed. We haven't even been here a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eros is like, my feelings are my feelings. So he's, of course, <laughs> going full on drama, yes. But I think he's entitled. Yeah, especially since what they're wearing, which apparently I'm sure it was given to them. It's like, you want some clean clothes? Here, wear this. They're Apollo for King shirts. And Ugh. I'm like, oh, that's just insulting injury right there. Well, Apollo comes down and tells Eros he has to come with him. And Eros, of course, is just being furious the entire time. And he tells him at one point, you know we have a daughter, right? And then you flash to Aphrodite. She's standing on a street corner saying, has anyone seen my son and my daughter-in-law? Yes. And I'm like, thank you. That's the first time we've seen anyone notice the fact that they're not around. Yeah. So, when Apollo came down and said, you, I need you to come with me, that was actually the end of the chapter. So ah, it was a kind yes. of very abrupt ending. So we go straight into episode 263, and that's Eros being horrible and Apollo being horrible right back to him, refusing to acknowledge his name and everything. So Eros brings up the fact that there is no way this can work, that Eros and Psyche will eventually get out of there and they're going to tell everyone. They're going to just spread all of the word. I think he says something like, no, nothing will remain unspread. But Apollo says it doesn't matter because by the time they get out of there, Apollo will be king and then no one will listen to them. 
And then he asks Eros about his arrows, specifically the arrow that's supposed to make people fall into true love. And Eros does look really concerned. Yes. So perhaps Apollo has finally realized that he can't just get power over Persephone. She's got to love him. I really hope that Eros comes up with some kind of loophole in that because that would be bad. I believe the commenters said that apparently Eros at one point mentioned that his arrows don't work the same on gods that they do on people. So Mm -hmm. that is one little loophole there. I believe he also said something, and this is the commenters again, because the commenters are amazing, that the arrows don't like make you fall in love. It's more like infatuation, I suppose. Like it's not like true love, true love, true love. But of course... I don't, I don't remember that. I will have to do some more research. Um, but yeah, maybe that's the loophole. Maybe they're going to try it, but it's not going to actually make Persephone really fall in love with him, I hope. Oh, God, what would that look like? Oh, jeez, oh, what would Hades think? Gah. Yeah, He'd have to yeah. know something was up if suddenly uh, Persephone started acting like she was in love with P- Apollo. Ugh. We still haven't seen Artemis getting involved in any of this, I don't think. Nope. I mean, her. Nope. it can't be a coincidence that... Rachel wrote a scene where Zeus made Artemis the goddess, uh, the protector of young women. So yeah. that's that's got to come in at some point. I sure hope so. Okay, so we cut to the news again, and they're talking about the plague on the mortal realm, and they're saying it's really bad, everybody needs to evacuate back to Olympus, and then they show images of Apollo, who's like, helping people as they come back to Olympus, and helping out, and whatever, and being awesome, and everybody loves him, and and they, he ends up just, like, actually commandeering the newscaster's microphone, who's like, I didn't say you could have a microphone, and he ends up bad-mouthing Persephone again, like, talking directly to her, saying, you know, this is your fault, you say it was an accident, but you're still responsible. I would come down there and confront you myself, but I've been blocked from the underworld. What a coincidence. He is awful. Awful. So terrible. Awful. And you have a few snippets of the newscasters talking to the random people on the street, and they're all saying awful things about Persephone, about how it's like, this is the second time she's done something horrible in the mortal realm. How can it possibly be an accident? Gah! And you just... You go to Persephone, and she's just wandering the hallway and looking at the different murals, and she's thinking about that all of this happened because she couldn't stand to be herself for eternity. And you have these like yeah. Roman drawing images of her as the fertility goddess or as the um, the goddess of the harvest, looking just like like wide-eyed and, you know, zombified. And it just, she obviously feels terrible. And I think she has an attack at one point because then you see people rushing to help her because she's collapsed. Yeah, so the order of it is, the first thing she thinks when she's watching this stupid news report is she's like, how can I come forward about Apollo now? And I had not considered that. I mean, finally telling people what he did to her, but now it would look like she's making stuff up to retaliate, so that's awful. Mm -hmm. And then while she's thinking, she's thinking about Erebus at one point, and she's touching one of the the pictures on the wall, and as she walks away from it, the eye in the picture actually follows her a little bit. Yeah, I've noticed that, yeah. that's, That's probably significant. But then somebody runs up to her, and it's one of the assistants who notices, is like, can I get you some water or something? She's She's either dripping or sweating. I don't know. There's a lot of water coming off of her. But Persephone, of course, is like, no, 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 no. What, what did you need? Proceed. 
all the vegetation in Elysium is dying. That was the world that Persephone's trying to set up as a nice place for shades. But with everything that's happening, the greenery is all dying. And so the project has been put indefinitely on hold. And that's where we jump back to Hades, who's talking to Thanatos. And they're sort of confirming the number of shades that are coming in and whether or not they're going to be able to keep up with it. Yeah. And Hermes is taking care of a lot of it. And Daphne is helping Thanatos, and she's got hold of this gigantic pink scythe, and she looks really (laughs) enthusiastic about being able to help. And Hades is like, I'm not sure you should be allowed to do that, but I'm going to allow it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's when Hades sees people running, and it's because Persephone has collapsed. She was just talking to somebody, and she just hit the floor, and she's unconscious. So she comes to, and Demeter is there taking care of her, and Demeter says, oh, they told me you were asking for me. You must have been really sick. So Demeter is still like grenade fishing for compliments from her daughter or or something. Yeah. I think she's still a little bit, oh, I don't know what I'm doing here. But yeah. Persephone starts crying and Demeter wants to know what's wrong. And Persephone says, I'm a monster. And, you know, she can't understand how she could possibly be a fertility goddess if she does awful things like this. And she doesn't even know enough about herself to try to fix the problem. And that's when Demeter sighs and says, wait. And that's where the episode ends. That's where the episode ends. So, oh, man. I thought all the fertility goddess stuff was out in the open, but I guess not. There must be more secrets to come, I More suppose. secrets, I, I think. So just going to maybe have an info dump next week. And I actually read Demeter's, like, oh, you must have been really sick. It's maybe like a tiny piece of self-awareness. It's just like, wow, I, I understand that if you were calling for me, you had to have been really sick. Yeah, and yeah like, I think and yeah, it's true. It's <laughs> very true, yes. So she's still, I think she's still getting better, but she's not oh. obviously isn't she didn't jump on the attack that this was you know this was Hades who did it or you know this is her daughter getting sick because she's in the underworld instead of the moral realm where she belongs no none of that she's just trying to be there for her daughter now so yeah two episodes in a row with Apollo being a giant douche in both episodes I'm like god he just has to have his come up I wondered because of course it was the Laura Olympians Mm -hmm. uh, Pomegranate on Twitter and Laura Olympians on Instagram they are very good about sort of digging into what's happening and looking at where the story might go. And they're the ones who said that because of Persephone's speech to Hades in the pool a couple episodes ago, that means we're probably going to get a lot of hurt, but then it's all going to be okay. But we're going to have to get through the hurt first. Mm-hmm. Have they ever been wrong? Have we I ever looked back on their, some of their predictions? I don't know. Nothing really obvious stands out. They're usually pretty spot on. Oh, man. I was really hoping. I'm like, oh, can't we just have something nice happen? That would be amazing. But yeah, we've got more to come. They're definitely looking into the idea that um, Erebus said that Persephone ate nine pomegranate seeds. And also the fact that I think it was Hebe that was commenting that in the mortal realm, it's six months of spring and six months of summer and then a few cold days of winter so that this is going to be a resetting and I'm hoping what this means is that she's going to be in the underworld for nine months out of the year and then for three months while she's dealing with the spring and beginning of summer that's when she'll be in the mortal realm I don't know but it does seem very significant I don't think Rachel would have included that detail on accident Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wow. Anyway. Anyway. And, of course, the artwork was beautiful. And I really liked, you know, um, when Hera, when she saw the version of herself getting crushed by 
uh, Kronos and thrown to the ground. And you saw her, like, her form was sprawled on the ground. I really liked her outfit. That was a cool outfit. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, it looked really good. Everybody's outfit always looks good, but yeah. But yeah, so we, we still... There's just more about... I don't know if Leto knows how badly... Um, Apollo messed up his relationship with Persephone. Like, he could not have been more ham-fisted with, like, thinking, you know, I'll seduce her. Well, no, you went too far. There was no desire there on her part. Um, We still haven't seen Artemis talking with Leto at some point, because I know Artemis Mm -hmm. doesn't trust Leto any more than she trusts Apollo, because she knows Leto was instrumental in keeping the information about her parentage from her. So we still need to see that. Hephaestus, he was the one that sent um, Psyche out to spy on Apollo and deciphered the... um, uh, the thumb drive or whatever that had the information about Cassandra. But we haven't seen him since. So I have to wonder, yep. is he somewhere out there trying to figure out what's happened to Eros and Psyche? Oh, fingers crossed. I don't know. I mean, that'd be amazing. Some of the commenters brought up, I forget, wasn't there a storyline where they put like all of Eros's arrows into like this like machine gun type thing that Hephaestus had made? Or was that something the commenters were making up? I can't remember. It was, he definitely made something that would allow um, Aphrodite to like work remotely because they weren't allowed to go to the mortal realm. That was during the, uh, uh, the banishment. So that was, Got it. I think that was how he, um, his love language is giving people great big pieces of uh, technology to help them out. Oh man. And technically Psyche and um, Eros are his, I guess, step kids? Step sort of, kids. Something like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Can't wait. Ugh. Okay. So the only other thing I wanted to mention was I finally did watch the third Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Third and final one. Okay. And? I liked it. It was fun and I think it was good. Like you can see how it's an ending to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was it was well done. The effects were great. Nathan Fillion's in it for crying out loud. Oh, I, didn't, I don't think I knew that. Then me, I had no idea playing one of the bad guys. And it definitely had some moments that made me cry as well. I was like, oh my goodness, yeah. However, it took me close to a week to watch it. Because I'd watch like 15 minutes and then wander away and not come back for days. So I think over on, what is it, the um, Best Pick podcast? Uh Is that the, uh, yeah, they always talk about the engagement score, I suppose. Oh, no, Flix Watcher. Flix Watcher, that's right. Flix Watcher, one of their scores is the engagement score. Like, how engaged were you in this movie? Answer is not very. And I don't know if it's because my attention span has been crap lately, or if it's the Marvel fatigue, or for the particular movie. I can't think of anything to complain about. It was all done very well. But I, I think I'm I'm kind of glad that this is the last Guardians of the Galaxy, because I just, I was like, wow, that that took some effort to get through, which does not recommend it very highly. But it was, I mean, it was fun. And also, I think it's been nominated for at least one Oscar, one of the usual, like, visual effects awards that the sci-fi movies usually dominate. But um, I'm glad I watched at least one thing that's on the Oscar list, because I haven't watched a heck of a lot else. Oh, man. Well, speaking of Marvel, uh, I saw that the What If series has a second season now. Uh-huh. It's like nine episodes for the first season, nine episodes for the 
the second one. I think I've only watched like three episodes of the first season. So I sat down this evening to watch, I think it was the fourth episode, and it was the one about Doctor Strange having to try to use the eye of Agamotto or whatever to uh, reset time to bring uh, Christine back to life. I got about 15 minutes into it, and I'm like, I don't care. I just don't care at all. No. And I watched the one, I did finally watch the one with Loki as the Frost Giant, Uh which doesn't play as much a part in the story as you might think. So it's not, it's not a Loki story. So Isn't it? It really? happens. How can, how can no. you have a story with Loki as a frost giant and it's not a humongous chunk of the story? It, I mean, it is a significant part of the story, but he's not the main character. Oh, so it's a, you'd have to watch it to see. It's fine. My thing is, I, think, I don't like the animation style. I really don't. I did not like how they animated Benedict Cumberbatch in the episode yep. that I started watching. I was just like, oh, everything just feels very flat. For some reason, I thought it worked with the um, Agent Carter becoming Captain America episode. And I thought the Mm. action scenes in that were really good. But it's just getting really hard to care. I mean, what what did I do this last week and a half? Instead of watching any of the new things that have been piling up, I rewatched the Loki series. (laughs) (laughs) Because of course you did. Because of course I did. And it's interesting because the first season, I would watch every episode all the way through. The second season, I was fast-forwarding a bit. But mm-hmm. especially the bit with um, going back to, I get Victor Timely, all the stuff with uh, Renslayer and Miss Minutes yeah. talking with Victor Timely. I'm like, oh, didn't I don't care. I yeah. didn't care. No. Um, I got to that bit when they're all in the TVA and Loki and Sylvie have an argument in the, like, the, the automat section about what their role is or whatever. And I checked and that was a four minute scene and it told you wow. nothing. It was like wow. a not necessary scene, I don't think. But, but the it's like bits, Netflix bloat, you yeah, know? But the bits that I liked are still amazing. It's still worth it to watch the episode just to fast forward to those good bits. So and yeah, I still yeah. like it. And of course, that last episode, my God, it, I will yeah. never get over that last episode. Holy cow. I, I will. I will never get over that fourth episode, the horror one. Oh, jeez. God, it's just probably... Honestly, I, I kind of feel like it's one of my favorite episodes of the entire series just because I can't get it out of my head. It's amazing. Oh, it was God. just so intense. Wow. But all these little bits, like um, the episode where he meets all the other Lokis, and at one point mm-hmm. he's introducing Sylvie to the other Lokis and said, this is Loki as a, young, as a child, Loki in the future, and Loki as an alligator. And Sylvie gives him this look, and he just like does this thing with his hand where he twirls his hand a little bit and says, it's best not to question. I don't know why, but I just thought that was perfectly done. And I feel like that was Aww. Tom Hiddleston, like, making up everything on the spot like that, His all of his reactions. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's so fun. <laughs> I, need, I should rewatch that one, too. Though what I really need to do is I really need to just take the time to watch some of the stuff that have been nominated for Oscars. We've got access to Disney+. Plus. Elemental is one of the Oscar-nominated um, cartoons. Mm-hmm. I need to watch that. And I am crossing my fingers. I haven't seen it happen yet. It's only across across the Spider-Verse? Yeah. yeah. Across yeah. the Spider-Verse is playing in one theater in the San Diego area, but it's all the way up in Oceanside. And it's like a 35-minute drive away. And I'm like, I don't wanna. Uh. So I'm hoping it comes to the nice theater that's just down the street from me. That'd be great. Well, this week is not good for me to try to take time off because otherwise probably tomorrow we would have gone to the Alamo Draft House because they're showing Oppenheimer there and I really want to oh. see that in the big screen. 
but it's at 3.45, and I can't really take yeah. the time off in the middle of the day for something like that. And I mentioned that to Hannah about that's the only showing is at 3.45, and Hannah said, well, yeah, because otherwise when you finish it, it'd be tomorrow. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> she's not wrong. Yeah, no, she's very... <laughs> I, that one, I'm like, I might just pay the money to stream it or something. I think it's a paper on demand or something. I just, I mean, over three hours, I, I kind of need to, I would love it if they had like a little intermission or something, just get up and walk around for a little bit. I think, out loud. Didn't, didn't some theaters get in trouble for like trying to put an intermission in there and the movie producers Probably. were like, no, you cannot break up the story. It's got to be shown in its entirety. I'm like, oh God. I, I got to tell you what, producers, if I watch it at home, there's going to be some breaks, I'm telling you. Because yeah. I listened to the Best Pick podcast episode they did where they talked about the nominees and they mentioned Oppenheimer, and apparently, spoilers, the bomb goes off with there's still 40 minutes left of the movie. I heard that. Because it goes yeah. into stuff that happens in Oppenheimer's life afterwards. And they said, I, you know, I don't want to tell Nolan how to make a mega blockbuster movie that makes all of the money. However, you got some pacing issues. So I do <laughs> yeah. I do wonder about that. You do the get to the bomb. You're like, oh, now we still have 40 more minutes of the story? Really? Yeah. And then I got to see Barbie just because it's just such a cultural phrase. Phenomenon. It you is, know? yes. I mean, gracious, yeah. That one also, a pet sitting for people um, in a couple weeks, and I believe that one's available on one of the streaming services that they have access to, so might do that. However, they also have uh, the newest season of Rick and Morty with the new voices. Oh, yeah? That's on, it's not on Hulu. It's on HBO Max. However, they have HBO Max, so I may be watching some of that because I heard they got greenlit for another season. Oh, good. Okay. Well, you'll have to tell mm. me how it is. I still haven't watched mm-hmm. all that much. I think the most recent one I watched was that bizarre everybody cloning themselves through time episode, yeah. which my brain is still going, ow, my brain hurts. <laughs> yeah. There there are some good ones. There are some, like, okay ones, but yeah, I gotta admit, that show has some good episodes. Yeah. It's a shame that the creators might not have always been the nicest people, and one of them might be a genuine asshole, but, you know, it's um, it's there's some good episodes well, in there. Speaking of genuine asshole, you saw something, John Scalzi, talking about the whole Hugo debacle, and mm. his theory about... Or he said something nice about the person that was being so shitty to everybody. Yeah, I think he's known him for a long time. He really does feel like there's some information that we don't have, obviously. It's it's leaning back and forth between somebody got threatened and they can't talk about it, or somebody did some really big screw-ups and they're scared and they don't want to admit to it. But he, like I said, he's known this guy for a while and doesn't think he's a horrible person, but he does think he's probably the worst person to be the voice of what's going on because he's like, obviously, he's not handling it. No, no. I mean, that's, I mean, telling everybody, you know, it didn't qualify because we looked at the Constitution and found out it didn't qualify. What are the specific reasons? I just answered the question. Like, no, you fucking didn't. So it's like, it almost... It really does feel like, you know, he needs to be blinking Morse code or something because he's, like, being held hostage. It's it's that kind of reaction. It's so far from reality. Yeah, yeah. And it's also not a good look when people were asking, and he literally started lashing back them, like, I'm questioning your reading ability. Do you have any comprehension when you're reading things? Like, he's being really insulting. And then Neil Gaiman enters the chat, and all of a sudden, he's all sweetness and light. Not giving him any more answers nope. than anybody else, but he doesn't pull that bullshit with, like, you know, attacking them, because he's not going to do that to Gaiman. So nope. it's like, he does have some awareness of how to treat people, but he's only going to treat people nicely when you're, like, at Neil Gaiman's level with, like, a lot of fans behind you, I'm assuming. 
it's just, I don't know. It's it's not good. It's really not good. I, I just finished writing the review for C.S.E. Cooney's book, uh, St. Death's Daughter. So now I'm going to be reading Babel because I'm nice. intrigued because it won the Nebula Award and everybody thought it was on the shortlist for Hugo and then it got disqualified. So now I'm curious. <laughs> More on that very mm-hmm. soon. But I guess that'll wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. No photo galleries yet. Still waiting to hear if we get press passes for WonderCon. I mean, fingers crossed. It's not, I mean, by this point last year, we still hadn't gotten the word, but Leland was asking me, he's like, oh, is it is it late? Did they not give it to us? And I was like, no, I don't think so. I wasn't worried until you asked me. So. <laughs> anyway, but we also have the post that lists all of the Oscar-nominated movies with links to all of the movies that have already been reviewed on the site. And thanks to our movie reviewer, Hugh, we have quite a lot of them in there. Yeah. So make sure to check that out and we'll add more as they come along. All that and more, pixladygeek.com. So next week, we're going to have um, Night Vale again, aren't we? Yes, yes. We're just, uh, as of time of this recording, we're just a few days away from the first episode of February. Nice. And we'll, of course, talk about any Oscar-nominated movies that we happen to watch. I'm sure at some point they're going to do that showing of all the Oscar-nominated animated shorts, which mm-hmm, I love to mm-hmm. go see. Looking forward to that. And I know you've seen, uh, what is it, The Boy and the Heron. It is playing in a theater down the street for me, so I need to see that as well. I think so. I just... Did we talk about that when um nope. on the episode? Because Nathan nope, and I went because to... we were waiting until I talked about it. So right? Yeah. yeah. It just the, the one thing is that Nathan and I watched at the Alamo Draft House, and it finishes up the movie, and some wit like three seats behind us just said, "The fuck just happened." So it is <laughs> really strange. I liked it, okay. but I don't really understand everything that was going on. Okay, noted. When I see it, we will definitely discuss that. But one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. that out because I'm I'm drying a piece of lemon in the oven and I don't want it to get you're, burnt. You're drying mm-hmm. a lemon? You remember that little um oh, what was it? There we go. Anna sent us that uh, video on how to make like little mushrooms out oh, of like half yes. of the Oh yes, you're gonna make it out of lemons. Yeah. Oh cool. Yeah. Well lemons and I've got an orange. Why? I don't know. Why not? <laughs> so. Anyway. Okay. <laughs>